1. And I chose this passage because the problem in the church in Crete and Paul's recommended way out of that problem is instructive to us, to our churches, to our families, to our communities in which we live. What, what was the problem in the church in Crete or in Crete in general? Well, they had one foot in the gospel and one foot in the world. Their hearts and their minds were not fully trusting God's word. As they held on to former beliefs, as they held on to their former values and their former sinful ways, that was causing disorder. Disorder in the church, disorder in their lives, disorder in their families, in their community. Because they knew the gospel, but for many of them it had not changed their hearts. It hadn't changed the way they lived their lives. It hadn't, didn't change the way they worked. Where it didn't change the way they related to their neighbors, to their spouses, to their children, and to their brothers and sisters, their classmates. Their lives were a mess, we can tell, from what Paul is teaching Titus. Their lives were a mess and did not look much different from the non-believing Cretans. Can we call them that, Cretans? The people of Crete um, who lived around them. Well, in this book, Paul instructs Titus that this mixture of the gospel and worldly ways is leading to a lot of disorder. And Paul's recommended solution to that that will bring order out of disorder, that will bring godliness out of worldliness, and flourishing fruitfulness out of deadness is in this first beginning of chapter 1. Please listen as I read. From Titus chapter 1, I preached from Genesis this morning, so my bookmark is in Genesis. Give me a second to flip to the other end of the Bible. Titus chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 1 through 5 and verse 9. Hear the word of the Lord. God says, and Paul wrote, Paul, a servant of God, and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior, Two, Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. Paul says to Titus, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Skipping down to verse 9, speaking about these elders that need to be appointed, these elders must Hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also able to rebuke those who contradict it. Here ends the reading of God's inerrant, inspired word. Please join me as I pray for a moment. Let us pray. Dear God, In the beginning, you created this world. It was a world of order, and it was good. 
But then our first parents introduced sin into this world, and they messed it up, and we mess it up. Our sin continues to bring chaos and disorder into our world, our families, and our lives. Teach us. Teach us how to unmess it up. Teach us about the redemption that is available in the gospel of Jesus Christ, about how he can bring order into our craziness. We pray in his name. Amen. Some of you may know that our denomination, the Presbyterian Church in America, is 50 years old this year. This is our 50th birthday for the PCA. I am one year older than the PCA, okay? (laughs) So when I was born in Alexandria, Virginia, about 45 minutes from here, depending on traffic, there were no PCA churches in Northern Virginia, well, I guess when I was born, anywhere, but there weren't any anywhere, but there wouldn't be any in Northern Virginia for a very long time. So of the 40 or so churches in our presbytery, the Potomac Presbytery, which stretches from Frederick, Maryland to the north, down to Dumfries, I think to the south on 95, and I think right now we are in the most western church, at least in Virginia, in our presbytery. I don't, I don't know how far east it goes. I can't tell you that. But of the 40 or so churches in our presbytery, two existed when I was born. And they, weren't, they wouldn't be PCA for a while. Uh, Wallace in College Park, Maryland, was a PCUSA church, the only PCUSA church out of the 100 or so in the National Capital Presbytery, the PCUSA, the only one that came out into the PCA. The other one would be McLean Presbyterian Church. It was then a church plant in Georgetown, a church plant of the the Reformed Presbyterian Church Evangelical Synod, a denomination that wouldn't come into the PCA until the 80s. Um, So the other 38 churches in our presbytery have been planted in my lifetime, which I think cuts against the cultural narrative that Christianity is in decline, that the church is in decline in America. I mean, yes, cultural Christianity is in decline. Cultural Christianity being those people who identify as Christians, but they haven't been born again. The word hasn't changed their hearts. The spirit hasn't changed their hearts. But in Matthew 16, 18, Christ said, I will build my church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. He is still building his church here in our nation, outside of the man's most powerful city in the world. He is still building new churches. He is still converting unbelievers into being believers through the power of his word and the power of his Holy Spirit being poured out. Those gates are a defensive measure. When he says the gates of hell, that's a defensive measure, trying to keep people in. And they cannot keep Christ from going in there and bringing unbelievers out into new churches that he plants. But 50 or so years ago, there were no PCA churches. So my family in Alexandria, I grew up in a, I was born into a mainline Presbyterian church. And in the Lord's mercy, I did come to faith in Christ, primarily, almost solely through the faithfulness of my parents, teaching me the gospel, teaching me that I was a sinner, they were good at that, and that, that I needed a savior, that I needed Christ who died on the cross and was raised from the dead for my sins. So I, was ra- I, w- I came to faith primarily because of the faith of my parents, almost in spite of my church. 
My church rarely made clear statements of the gospel. They rarely made free offers of the gospel. The most, you might hear the gospel four times a year when they had the Lord's Supper. Four times a year. They did not hold fast to the trustworthy word. They did not teach the sound doctrines of scripture that Paul is telling Titus that the elders need to teach. Doctrines like doctrines about what the Bible says about marriage, what the Bible says about sexuality, church-state relations, and so many other things. So when I went to college, I went south because I was looking for orthodoxy as much as a, as a education, a college education. I found a PCA church in the town where I went to college, and I started to grow in my faith as I sat under pastors who preached, lectio, preached expository sermons, lectio continua, through books of the Bible, not skipping over the hard parts that conflict with the culture around us. I recently visited the church in Alexandria where I grew up. It was an early adopter of, of the culture that the peace mainline church uh, goes by now. And on the second floor, I went up to the second floor where there's a long hallway of classrooms where all the Sunday school classes for all the different ages lined down that hallway. And the church secretary who was taking me on the tour said they were all storage rooms now. There were no Sunday school classes to be had. There were no children in the church. Storage. In Romans chapter 11, God's word says the church of Jesus Christ is like an olive tree. If a branch does not bear fruit, God comes in like the arborist of the tree and breaks off the branch. But then he also grafts on wild olive shoots that grow up outside the garden. He brings them and he grafts them on among the other branches that are bearing fruit. It is my vision for our four-year-old church in Burke, Christ Presbyterian Church, to be that wild olive shoot, to be that continuing Presbyterian church that the mainline church should be today had they remained faithful to their Savior and the gospel, the sound word and the sound doctrine, the trustworthy word and the sound doctrine that Paul is reminding Titus of. In order to bring order out of disorder, in order to bring peace out of conflict, Paul tells Titus in the church in Crete when it was read aloud to them to call elders who are devoted to the trustworthy word and will teach its sound doctrines. And then the gospel of Jesus Christ can have that transforming effect on believers. Parents are better equipped to instruct children. Christians are better equipped to share that trustworthy word in their neighborhoods with their neighbors, in their workplaces with their coworkers, in their schools with their classmates, with their teammates on their teams. What is the trustworthy word that Paul is pointing Titus to? Where do we go to find it? Well, in verses 1 and 2, Paul points Titus, as well as the, Crete, the people of Crete, towards the truth that God, quote, promised before the ages began, close quote. That's the promise of a savior from before the foundations of the world, Ephesians 1.4. That announcement first made in the Old Testament to Adam and Eve as early as Genesis chapter 3. 
That, that, exp- which, that announcement that a son of Eve would come to, at- to suffer, to atone for her sins, it created a messianic expectation in the patriarchs that they carried on and taught to their children. That messianic expectation that fills the prophets that they're reminding Israel of. That messianic expectation that Christ finally comes in the Gospels to fulfill. Well, that's in verses 1 and 2. In verse 3, Paul says that the promised gospel was revealed in Christ when, quote, at the proper time was manifested in his word through his, the preaching, which I, Paul, have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. Close quote. Here Paul is telling Titus, he's telling the church in Crete, he's telling us tonight, remember the gospel that I and the other apostles preached to you when we were there, and then we've written down in these letters that we're sending to you. That's the word of God that Jesus taught and commands them to teach and commands us to teach. What does that word say? Well, it comes in chapter 3. In chapter 3, verses 3 through 7, Paul gives them the good news, but first he gives them the bad news. In verse 3 it says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days with malice, envy, hated by others, and hating one another. To be honest, people, that sounds like my social media feed tonight. (laughs) It's like my Facebook friends and my Twitter feed. But here's the good news. He said, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. That's new birth language. That's new birth language. That's the new heart. That's the new spirit that God promised that Ezekiel said God was placed inside of us. That's the good news of the gospel that we need, that our families need, that our churches and our communities need. The good news that Christ saved us from the punishment of our sins. Not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done for us. His perfect obedience. And that he regenerates our dead hearts. So that we would start to hate our sin. That we would start to be grieved by our sin when we recognize it. And we would turn to Christ in humility and repentance, seeking his forgiveness with a full expectation that we will receive his pardon. This is the effect that his trustworthy word has on us. When we believe Christ's resurrection frees us, not only from the curse of sin, but the power that sin had over us. That power to make, it, make us obey it so that we can stop creating so much disorder in our lives and in our homes. And we can start that restorative work that he's doing in us, bringing peace and order into our hearts, peace and order into our families, our churches, our workplaces, our community. And this is where we're blessed to be Presbyterian. Your pastors and your elders hold fast to the trustworthy word. They teach sound doctrine. What, what are we talking about when we talk about sound doctrine? We're Presbyterian. We have a wealth of sound doctrine. In the Westminster Confession of Faith, 
the shorter, larger catechism and shorter catechism, those pastors, great theologians, but were also pastors of churches who knew the Bible and had distilled it down to what it tells us on, on many of the topics that we need to know. Tonight, we use the Nicene Creed to confess the faith that we believe binds us to our Savior and binds us to each other in the church as well as the church triumphant, binds us to that church that is worshiping Christ in heaven tonight. And that's the beauty of planting a PCA church. We're not just, when we plant a church, we're not just a startup disconnected from the rest of the body of Christ. We're not just the, we don't believe just the bullet points on the website that the pastor decides this is what I want to put on there. No, we have we have scripture, we have our confession, the catechisms, we have the creeds that the church has believed, the Nicene Creed. Christians have confessed the Nicene Creed during worship for 1,600 years. Christians have gathered in congregations to confess that and will continue to confess it until Christ returns. That's, this is the trustworthy word. Those are the sound doctrines that we must cling to. May he find the pastors and the elders and the congregations of Heritage, PCA, of Christ Presbyterian Church, Burke, and the Presbyterian Church in America. May he find us faithful when he returns. Please join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks. We give you thanks that you are still at work in this world, even at this late date. We pray that you would continue to be at work Continue to turn us back to your trustworthy word that we may find it trustworthy, that we would lean on it, that we would, that we would rely upon it. And Lord, help us to love these sound doctrines. Help us not to shy away from them when it, they conflict with our culture around us. But may we love them. May we love you. We thank you for what you're doing here tonight, building your church by adding new pastors to this church. Bless Dan, we pray in Christ's name, amen.